Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey friends, welcome to the Tennis and Bagels podcast. I'm co-host Vanch, and today, uh, unfortunately, Andre will not be joining us as he is uh, busy with some things going on this weekend. However, the French Open is just around the corner, and today we have a special returning guest from Tennis and Bagels, Owen Lewis, here to talk about the men's and women's draw. We're going to break down the men's draw in this part of the podcast. Please welcome Owen. Hey, Owen, how are you doing today? Hi, Vanch. Uh, I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm Really excited for the French Open. I had a great time watching the U.S. Open and can't wait to talk some tennis and break down the upcoming major. Sounds good. Yeah, I think you you said it best. We're all super excited and let's uh, let's get into this. So when we look at this uh, this men's draw here um, of Roland Garros, we clearly see that there's basically three guys that can win this tournament. Uh, Federer, uh, Nadal, Djokovic, and Team. Would be the top, would be the top three favorites, and the begging question was always which section would Dominic Team fall under. How surprised were you, uh, based on the balance of this this draw where everything ended up? Uh, well, I, I think um, the main thing I was surprised about when I saw the draw was uh, Andy Murray and Stan Wawrinka in the first round. That's just mm-hmm. a crazy parallel with 2017. But I think it was a little jarring. Uh, to see Dominic Team and Nadal's half. Uh, Team has been in Djokovic's half for the last several years. Team and Nadal has been uh, the Roland Garros final the last two years. It can't be this year. So it, that's going to be a difference from the last couple of years. And I think uh, Rafa is really going to be up against it this year, based on at least compared to how it usually goes for him, because he could have to beat Team and Djokovic to win the title this year. So I'm really looking forward to see how seeing how that plays out. Absolutely, and you know the history that Nadal has at this tournament, winning 12 Roland Garros titles, mm. only having two losses. I think he's 93-2 and two overall, which is just ridiculous. However, we look at the conditions this year, and, you know, it's 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 quite different because uh, Roland Garros is normally played in May and June, and this is a completely different slam. The weather is very different. There's uh, there's, there's slower, wetter, damper conditions. Um, they're using a different ball this year. They've moved from Babola to a Wilson ball, which um, already, if, you, if you've seen some of the press conferences, players are saying that it plays a lot slower and it's less lively. And, of course, we know that Philip Chatrier now has a roof and there's new lights and there's going to be night matches. And, of course, you throw in all the COVID and 1,000 fans. I mean, it certainly uh, is a little bit of an equalizer in the field. And... Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how the players adapt and cope with all of these changes in the changing world we're living in today. Yeah, I, I think you put that very well. Um, 
you know, part of me wants to say, you know, look at Nadal's record at Roland Garros. He's the undisputed favorite. But then you think about the things that you were saying. And of course, that is this is still Roland Garros, but there are so many changes that it, you feel like it might almost play like a different tournament this year with the new ball, the roof, the more overcast, chilly, slower conditions. Um, so again, you, you think about the 93-2 and two and you think, well, Ruff is going to win again. But then you think... Uh, I thought back to the 2012 Roland Garros final where it started to rain during the Nadal-Djokovic final, and uh, Djokovic took eight games in a row off of Nadal. So we really, this could really affect Nadal's game negatively. And uh, and like usually he's the undisputed favorite for Roland Garros. I would say Djokovic is not as big of a favorite, but he's very close this year. I would say, yeah, I would put him at the second favorite based on the way the draw uh, shaped up and. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. a good point about about 2012, and also um, and the fact that the final was then moved to the next day. I mean, that's not going to be the case this year, so it'll be interesting to see right. kind of how he how he builds up. And we'll talk about his draw in a minute, but I guess uh, we can start from the top half. Um, if we look at the Djokovic half, where we have uh, Djokovic the number one seed, and then Daniil Medvedev the number four seed, I guess we can start with Djokovic's yeah. quarter. Do we see any matches that jump off the bat right away um, in terms of popcorn first-round matches? Uh, popcorn first-round matches. Well, I'm really excited for uh, Roberto Batista Agud and Richard Gasquet mm-hmm. uh, right off the bat. I think um, Batista Agud's solidity from the baseline, very textbook strokes from both sides, and Gasquet's uh, really elegant one-handed backhand could make for some intriguing patterns, fun baseline rallies. I'm excited to see that. I think uh, Medvedev and Marton Fusevich um, mm. could be interesting. Medvedev is the fourth seed, but he's never won a match at Roland Garros. So I would definitely keep an eye on that for an upset. Uh, Fusevich is very capable of going deep in majors. So I, I would say those are the two. Oh, and also um, Hubert Hercotch and uh, Tennis Sandgren, I think, has mm. five setter written all over it. I think that could be an exhausting first-round matchup and definitely one that I'd like to see. Absolutely. I agree with all of those. I think those are those are excellent matches, especially um, I really look forward to uh, Fuksovic and Medvedev, given that you just said, yeah, he has never won a, Roland, a match at Roland Garros. He's 10-17 and 17 lifetime on the clay. And, uh, you know, of course, I mean, if he can get through Fuksovic, which will be really tricky, he's got a nice uh, section here. Uh, he can build some confidence and win some of these five setters. He's got Basilashvili in this section, who's not really in great form at the moment. And, you know, you see um, Andre Rublev is in this section, which Rublev, by the way, is in the final of Hamburg, uh, playing Sitsipas tomorrow. And they have such a quick turnaround to then go and play a ton of five-set matches. And so it'll be it'll be interesting. I really think... Uh, that first-round match between Medvedev and Fuksovic will, will decide a lot of things because Fuksovic will make you earn it the hard way. He's he's an excellent he's excellent from from the baseline. He's very fit. He can he can uh, certainly match Medvedev. And you know Medvedev is uh, is very consistent from the back of the court, but he hits the ball very flat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it it really hopefully we can see him adjust and make some of the changes necessary to do well in the clay. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm glad you brought up Andre Rublev because he is actually my pick to make the semifinals against Djokovic. Um, the two big names besides Djokovic and this half, this uh, half of the draw would be Medvedev and Stefanos Tsitsipas. But again, Medvedev hasn't yet won a match at Roland Garros, so I don't feel I can pick him to make the semifinals now. And Tsitsipas, while a great player, excellent on the clay, 
made the fourth round, almost made the quarterfinals last year. He is on a terrible run at majors. He's lost in the third round of the last two and the first round of the two before that. So I don't think I can pick him to make the semifinals either. Where Rublev is in great form right now, he's getting match practice on the clay. Um, Sam Query shouldn't be too tough of a first-round opponent against him on clay, but big server. He should get some practice with uh, tough returns right away. So I can see him getting into form really quickly in this tournament. I see him making the semifinals. No, for sure. And we look at uh, we look at this little section here. It's intriguing for me. We've got Dennis Shapovalov, who's coming off a great week in Rome, and you know, right off Definitely. the bat, he's going to be tested. Uh, great U.S. Open for him, and great Rome. And I was very uh, impressed by the way he made the transition onto the clay and nearly made the final of Rome. And he looked quite good there. And he takes on Jill Simon uh, early. You know, I mean, definitely a a first round that would tell us a lot about where Shapovalov is at. Um, on the clay against someone like Simon hasn't had a great year, but you know, some but you know, with the Paris crowd, and he usually plays his best tennis uh-huh. uh, at home, and so that'll be that'll be really interesting to see. And he's in the section with with Grigor Dimitrov, and I actually have um, I actually don't have Sitsipas in the semifinals as well. I agree with with what you said. Obviously, he's coming off that um, uh, stung, stinging defeat at the U.S. Open, and you know, not had a great run. As of late, and he's also just played a lot of tennis this week um, in Hamburg. He's only <laughs> dropped one set on the way to the final, but like I said, it's going to be a quick turnaround. And um, you know, I, I I still think Sitsipas, if he gets through Jaume Munar, uh, Pablo Cuevas most likely, and uh, Philip Krajnovic, which is a rematch of actually last year's French Open, they played in the third round before that epic Pavrinka <laughs> uh, Sitsipas fourth round match, and that was a pretty close match. As well, I think Sitsipas won that in four tight sets. So, um, you know, I think it's, I think Sitsipas, I like his chances to get to the fourth round. It's just, I don't know if he yeah. can break that streak and, uh, you know, win a couple more matches and get to the semis. But that's that was an intriguing section for me. And, you know, some of the other mm-hmm. first round matches, I think you mentioned Sangren and Hercatch. You're right, that definitely yeah. has five sets written all over it. I also really like John Millman against against Karina Busta. You know, two guys yes, who, who actually uh, don't have a lot of don't have their best success on the clay, but it's going to be interesting because you know you know that one's going to be a grind fest, and so it's absolutely it's going to be interesting to see whether you know Bautista, Goot, and PBC meet in round three because I'm yeah you know I mean it looks likely because you know Berrettini is a seventh seed, but you know I'm not so confident in him to make it to the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, about John Millman, I actually find him very, very fun to watch, especially when he's battling. I think when he's at his best, he can be uh, pretty much as interesting and fun to watch as anyone out there. He can hit passing shots on the run. He's, I think he's got great energy. And so I would love to see him in a deep battle with uh, Pablo Carreño Busta, who is coming off his best result ever at a major. He was one set away from making a major final. So right. he did uh, get ripped apart by Rafa at Rome. But if he can look past that, he should be overwhelming. He should be like almost overwhelmed with confidence from the U.S. Open. So I could I could see him making it through a few rounds. Um, on Tsitsipas, I think you're right. I think he does have quite a comfortable first few rounds. And so if he can ease into the tournament and then maybe put up a great performance in the fourth round or the quarterfinals, he could be he could make a really deep run and that could be what he needs to 
kind of break through the funk he's been in in majors. Uh, well, maybe not funk, but slump. Uh, so, and I think that since his heart was broken at Roland Garros last year, this could be a nice, um, almost redemption or coming full circle arc for him. Yeah, um, completely agree. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Djokovic in, in this section, I think, uh, has a couple of, you know, nice first and second round matches where I just don't see anybody even coming close to threatening him. You have Michael Yimer, uh, yeah. a talented Swede, but uh, three out of five sets, I don't think has the offensive artillery to trouble Djokovic. And you've got Barankis mm-hmm. in there. And then you've got the winner of, uh, I think, Sandgren and Hercatch lurking in the third round. Yeah. I think the fourth round could get a little interesting if you have, um, you know, I mean, Karen Hatchinov, man. He's been on a, he's just been underwhelming to me since the COVID break. Yes. You know, so this would be a really big opportunity for him. I just don't know if he can even get to, you know, hopefully we can see that Garin and Hatchinov third round match because Garin has been in excellent form. He's already won a couple of titles this year. He's won Rio. He's won another 250, and he has had a great week uh, this week, just nearly beat Tsitsipas today. So I think, yeah, you know, if Hatchinov can get to the fourth round, um, I I I don't think he he threatens Djokovic, but you could certainly see a see a close match where, um, in in good conditions, he can certainly um, hit through Novak for a few games, and it, it could be very uh, very interesting to to watch. As that I think that will be Djokovic's maybe toughest test before the quarters. It it could be yeah, and I I have to say I think. I just don't see Djokovic losing to anyone in this half of the draw. Although mm. I, I should mention, I thought and said the same thing before the U.S. Open. Uh, yeah. Incredibly, he was uh, de- defaulted against Carino Booth, so no one saw that coming. So, like, of course, a similar incident is statistically possible, but tennis-wise, I just don't see anyone winning three sets against him across the best-of-five format on clay. Um, Hercotch and uh, Sandgren have both taken sets off of him in majors, but... And so I think they could do so again, but I don't think they'd take more than one. Tsitsipas, I don't see making the semifinals. Uh, Medvedev, unless he can translate his hardcore form onto the clay, I don't see challenging Djokovic or reaching the stage where he would play him. Uh, Berrettini, I don't see challenging him. So I think Djokovic, uh, I don't know if I'll say he'll waltz the final, but I think he should get there pretty comfortably. I think something he might have to worry about is maybe not having stern enough tests before a final because the two likely opponents he'd get team and Nadal can beat him on clay in best of five at Roland Garros. And they have done so each of them multiple times. So I think he could use maybe a four set grind against someone, maybe Batista Agut or uh, Tsitsipas, maybe, maybe even Rublev um, just to kind of play himself into form before the final, because uh, I think he'll get there comfortably, but once he gets there, the margin for error will be incredibly small. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. I think he's a heavy favorite to get to the final. Um, so I think I'll tell you the way I think uh, this section pans out, and we can uh, we can uh, wrap up this top half here. So I think, yeah, sounds uh, good. you know, I think I definitely have Djokovic uh, getting to the semifinals now. His quarterfinal opponent, you know, I am. Uh, I'm just. I, I think it's going to be one of uh, Batista, Good, or Medvedev. I just. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't know. You know. I, I certainly think. You know. You know. Batista, Good, has a good shot to get there. I just think. You know, with Gasquet and Paya potentially, Karenibusta or Milman, 
And then, you know, Berrettini, I mean, does he, you know, I, I, I think on the clay, I, I certainly like him on the hard courts because I think he can, mm-hmm. I think he's super consistent with his, with his two-handed backhand. He can, he sets up his forehand inside in, forehand inside out beautifully. He doesn't miss much from the, from the baseline. I think he's sneaky good with cat and mouse tennis. I just think on the clay though, it, uh, the surface, I think yeah. really takes away from a lot of his strengths. And, uh, you know, he can, I think that backhand that we just mentioned, that flat backhand isn't as effective. Whereas, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. someone like a Berrettini, I think, uh, does have a ceiling to his game, but he's awfully reliable in the sense he has a, he's a, he has a nice first serve. He has big forehands. He can finish points off at, and, you know, these conditions playing a little bit faster, I think, or sorry, playing a little bit slower, but, you know, lower bouncing, I think it might, it, it might help him to a certain extent. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and pick a Djokovic and Bautista Agut uh, quarterfinal. And okay. on the, the the bottom half of the of the top, I guess, it's really a question of who comes out of the Medvedev-Fuksovic match. I think if Medvedev does come out of that mm-hmm. match, I think it's pretty comfortable that he can get to the fourth round and play potentially Rublev. Now, someone lurking in there is possibly the Deuce, Dusan Lajovic, who I think, uh, mm. you know, might be able to give Rublev some problems. But uh, it's, you know, since Rublev is coming off a pretty taxing week here in Hamburg, I just think at some point he's going to run out of steam. And I just don't know mm-hmm. if it'll be then or against Medvedev, who um, obviously has a very good record against him. So I'm actually going to go yeah. for, you know, I did this at the US Open. I went a lot of chalk. And it just, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't play out that way. I think some seeds have to fall. And I think based on you know, Medvedev's performance in Hamburg, I, I, I actually am going to pick Fuksovic to knock off Medvedev in the first round. So I've got wow, okay. uh, I've got a Rublev versus Shapovalov quarterfinal. And I've got Shapovalov making it to the semis. Wow, that's bold. It is, yeah. Yeah. And uh, who comes through the Shapovalov-Djokovic semifinal? Oh, Djokovic, yeah. I think Djokovic will come through pretty comfortably. Straight sets, what do you think? Yeah, uh, three or four sets. I think I, I think straight sets most likely. I think uh, his his toughest test might be against uh, Bautista Agut if he gets there. I agree. Uh, in the in the quarterfinals, you know, I think that's going to be a tight four set. I know I, I means do I see Bautista Agut beating him here, best of five sets, mm-hmm. but I think he can really take away his legs you know, make him, uh, you know, make him play the kind of tennis that he's not so comfortable playing, which is using in some variety, luring Bautista go to the net, you know, cutting off, mm-hmm. making points uh, shorter, you know, and uh, yeah, really making it using some more guile and finesse. So I think uh, I have Djokovic getting to the final. I have him beating Shapovalov in the semis. And and this is, by the way, a huge... Uh, it, it might be really bold, but, you know, I, I just think that, that if there's any open section here in the draw, it is definitely the Medvedev-Sitsipas section for me. And so I just Absolutely. think... I just think uh, I, I'm picking Shapovalov to have two really good wins back-to-back, and he's never done... He's never strung any kind of wins like this before. But I think I like him... I like him against uh, Sitsipas in the fourth round, and I like him against Rublev. 
Yeah, I mean, if he could get those two wins, that would be huge for his confidence. That would move him up a couple spots in the next-gen hierarchy, I would say. Uh, I I would pick Rublev to beat him. I think he's more solid from the baseline, and that would be telling in the slower conditions, but I would love to see that match. And um, I'd really like to see Djokovic-Batista go as well. Uh, As you said, I think in best of five, that would go to Djokovic. We saw in 2019... Batista Goof beat him twice early in the year, and then Djokovic won a four-setter at Wimbledon. That was fairly comfortable in the last set and a half. Uh, So Djokovic will have to work if he plays that match, but make no mistake, he'll end up winning. Um, So, yeah, I have—I would say I have a Djokovic-Batista Goof quarterfinal as well. Okay. And then bottom half, uh, what what do you do about the Shapovalov, Dimitrov, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Madness? Yeah, so... um, (laughs) Yeah, so I have Rublev making the quarters, and then against... Who do you have him beating uh, in the round of 16? Round of 16. Because he's in Medvedev's round of 16. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just so hesitant to pick Medvedev to make the round of 16 when he hasn't won a match at Roland Garros, but okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pick Medvedev anyway. I think, um, oh. I think that he's... I, I think he's good enough at this point in his career that he'll be able to find a way to win some matches on clay, and he can make a little bit of a run. I don't think. So you think? Like, I think if he plays well, I don't think he should lose to anyone in the first three rounds. Yeah, no, certainly I agree. I actually think if he gets through Fuksovic, that he can get to the quarters. <laughs> it's just that I just I, I agree. you know the fact that he hasn't won a match, uh, and he just you, you know I, I think Fuksovic will give him a lot of problems. And so I I just... But if but if he does come through this, I, I, I just don't see how Rublev beats Medvedev. So I'm just... That's why I, I was torn about this. But no, so you think Rublev beats Medvedev in the round of 16? Yeah, I do. I think uh, there... I, I see how... I see what you're saying when you say it's tough to see Rublev beat Medvedev. But if we recall, their, their match at the U.S. Open straight sets, but it was very close. Uh, two tiebreakers, if I remember correctly. Rublev right, and Rublev was 5-1 one up. Rublev was 5-1 up in that first set tiebreak. Yeah. He still let it slip. <laughs> yeah, and um, Medvedev is not as good on clay as on hard court uh, mm-hmm. by a long shot. And so I think, um, so Rublev may not win, but I think he could push it to 4 or 5 in, in this matchup, absolutely. And there's a good possibility he could win. Uh, I see... And then I, I could see Dimitrov in the third or fourth round. He he would play. I, I think Shabu he should Wolof make the third round. round easily. And then who would he have in the third round? He, he'd have um, Shapovalov in the third round. Shapovalov, yeah. Um, yeah I, I Shapovalov think that would be just really beat Dimitrov match, uh, by the way in uh, in Rome. Shapovalov, Shapovalov had beaten Dimitrov the round before Schwartzman. Okay, um, I actually don't remember the score of that match. What was it? If it was remember. a three. It was a three set match. It was like six two, three six, six three. Okay, yeah, I think um, in best of five. I mean, I, w- I would usually. I'm not sure how Dimitrov is if he's still being affected by having COVID, but right, I think I would usually give a slight physical advantage to Dimitrov in best of five. Okay, so I think I think that could be a, a great five setter. I'd love to see that match. A couple great one handed backhands going at it. Um, but yes, semifinal. I'm saying Djokovic and Rublev. Uh, Djokovic to come through that in four sets. I like it. Okay. So, and your quarterfinals. Who does Rublev play against? Uh, so Medvedev. Uh, right. Medvedev uh, so... was around a sixteen. You said he beats Medvedev. 
And uh, yeah. who do you think he gets through in the quarters? This is tough. I'm I'm going to say he gets Dimitrov in the quarters. Oh, so and where does Tsitsipas lose in this in this section? I, I'm saying he goes out to Kryanovich, third round. Third round, okay. Interesting. Yeah, he's never gotten past the third round, like you said, in the last four majors. So yeah, although um, I mean, I think if he plays well, I think he should win that match. But yeah. I, I'm saying he goes out to Kryanovich, third round, and uh, Dimitrov and Rublev make the quarters. Okay, yeah, interesting. I actually have uh, I have him getting through Krajinovich, but losing to Shapovalov in the fourth round, and then I have Shapovalov uh, taking yeah. out taking out Rublev, who I wouldn't have picked if I wasn't so sure about Medvedev, just because I think Medvedev has mm-hmm. a tough first round against Fuksovic. But I like it. It's it's a little different. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, Rublev would be that would be awesome to see. It would be awesome to see either Rublev or Shapovalov move up in that next gen hierarchy. Definitely, yeah. Sweet. All right. So All right, shall now, we move to the bottom half? Yes, we should. And we see at the bottom half, uh, the top half of that section, we have Gail Monfils, who's coming off of two straight losses um, on the clay. He lost in Hamburg this week um, mm-hmm. in the first round to Yannick Hoffman, I believe. And then he lost in the mm-hmm. first round of Rome as well to Kopfer, by the way, who's a great clay court player. But uh, yeah. in this in this section, we have a lot of popcorn matches. So I guess let, let's start out with oh, what are your absolutely. what are your uh, I guess just sticking only in the quarter of uh, Monfils and Schwartzman. There's already some good matches. You've got Monfils and Bublik, Monfils and Schwartzman, and yeah. you've got you know Schwartzman against Kechmanovic, which uh, which yeah. is also a tasty match. Yeah, I think. Uh... Monfils and Bublik. I think we'll see any underhand serves or trick shots there. I, I think there might <laughs> I be a possibility of that. Yeah, so hopefully that's uh, an entertaining one. Um, yeah, Schwartzman and Ketsmanovic should be good. And, but uh, what I want to talk about right now is uh, Andy Murray and San Valverinka. I think yeah. uh, so that they played at this stage at the tournament three years ago. Uh, they were number one and number three in the world. They played mm-hmm. a fantastic five-set match. Favorinka found another gear in the fifth set, won at 6-1. One of the higher quality matches at Roland Garros that I've seen. And while they're unlikely to produce a match of the same caliber, I just think this is a beautiful kind of uh, sort of rematch because they've both been absolutely racked with injuries. They've fallen from uh, the pinnacle of men's tennis, but they, they get to stage a rematch against each other. They're... Uh, they're both greats of the game. They've each won three majors. And so I, I'm just really excited to see this match, and I hope both of them can play their best tennis or close to it because it could be a thriller if they do. Yeah, very well said. I think, uh, you know, right when the draw came out, I think this was the match that had the most oohs and ahs from everyone. Yeah. Uh, and just because, you know, I mean, we remember that match so vividly three years ago in the semifinals, nearly five hours, I think, you know, that was pretty much the end of Andy Murray's hip. And Wawrinka was mm-hmm. never the same for a couple of years after that with double knee surgery. And, you know, both have won three yeah. majors. Both are, you know, are like the fourth and fifth best players the last 15 years. So it's an, it's an absolute gem of a matchup. I think they've had excellent matches. They've played each other six times in majors, and they're three and three against each other. Yeah. And a 12-8 overall for Murray, but just absolutely compelling matches. With uh, they both show great heart, will, determination, everything, and you know it's almost sad for us tennis fans that one of them has to go out in the first round. 
but uh, it's, oh, it, it it absolutely is. It, it definitely is, and you could you could easily I think, you know, the way Vavrinka looks right now, I think I'm a little bit, um, you know, I hesitate for him to go really far in this tournament just because he's now split yeah. up with Magnus Norman, a, a partnership that was very successful the past eight years, and you know he didn't look very good at all in his first round against for his first round in Rome against the talented Italian Lorenzo Massetti. However, I don't mm-hmm. think that's as much to... I don't think that we should put a whole lot of stock in that just because I think, uh, you know, when Bovrinka's won his three slams in the past, they haven't been off coming off of impressive weeks in the build-up to it. But he just has, um, you know, a, such a tough first-round match. And I could easily yeah. see a situation where, you know, Bovrinka and Murray just push each other so hard for four, four and a half hours and we get a similar match to what we saw Murray play at the U.S. Open. And one of them just mm-hmm. one of them wins, and then you know Kopfer in the second round just picks up the remains. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was thinking the same thing is very possible. Uh, I was thinking of that Murray Nishioka match as well. Um, there, the Murray Valverinka match in 2017 was sort of almost a beautiful tragedy, tragedy because it was a great match, but it really did destroy both of their careers for quite a while. And so I'm hoping that what, however the match plays out, they both end it healthy. Uh, because I, I think that would be that would be a fitting uh, conclusion or next chapter in their uh, rivalry at Roland Garros. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think if both of them were playing well, it could be uh, a nail biter and a grinding match. Uh, Valverinka, as you said, he lost to uh, Lorenzo Musetti, who, while an outstanding player, should Valverinka be getting bageled by him? Absolutely not. Yeah. So. If, but th- this is this is Valverinka and this is a major, so history says he'll pick up his level, and uh, I, I think he will. And if he starts cranking those backhands down the line, uh, mm-hmm. then I-, I could see him making it through a few rounds. Certainly, completely agree with that. And uh, you know, I mean, if we talk about really compelling first round matches, there's so many in the bottom half. You have Nishikori and Evans. You have, um, yep. you know, the one that, that that I'm super excited for is Yannick Sinner against David Goffin. I think that could be just... Uh, that, that's very exciting. So thrilling to watch. And then, you know, we've got uh, a qualifier in Marco Cecchinato who's never mm-hmm. won a match outside of... Who's never won a Grand Slam match outside of his 2018 Roland Garros run. He's never won a main draw. Yeah. Which is just crazy. And he goes up against Alex Dimonor in the first round and he's got some confidence now with three matches under his belt so mm-hmm. i mean that's a really another and talk about another two grand slam champions now marin Cilic and dominic team i mean there's only six grand slam yes. champions in the whole draw and we have two of them we have two first round matches with grand slam champions it's just crazy it's amazing <laughs> like this is uh imagine nadal and djokovic playing in the first round as the other two grand slam <laughs> champions um, yeah, I'm very excited for this match as well. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying that teams should have no problems, but mm. I'm, I'm not so sure about that, honestly, because while he did come through fairly comfortably four sets against Chilich, first two sets weren't close at all. Uh, right. I think if, Ch- if Chilich can really look at that third set and play at that level from the start, then team could have real battle on his hands. I don't think he'll lose, but I think he could get pushed hard and that might not be a bad thing for him because he tends to sometimes start out slow in majors and find his form by the second week. And it is crucial for him that he find his form in the second week because he'll probably be in a semifinal with Nadal. 
Totally, I completely agree. And with that match with Chilich, I think it's important for him, for a team to start the way he has and uh, and really start off the match uh, with conviction because I think, uh, you know, I mean, Marin Chilich will look to do the same. And it's while he's not the same player as he once was two years ago and he's had, you know, some troubles with confidence and injuries, it's still a Grand Slam champion and it shouldn't be taken lightly. And, you know, we get to... To, if we look at just team section of the draw, I mean, with the the section with Bavrinka and team, uh, and, you know, headlining it, you know, if team gets through yeah. Chilich, potentially he's got to play Riley Opelka or Jack Sock. I think, mm-hmm. you know, team is hoping that Jack Sock can win that match because I certainly think Opelka, <laughs> Opelka with the with the big serve is always going to keep it super close with you know one or two points separating yeah. them in sets and. So I mean, if he if he just right off the bat, you have two players in Chilich and potentially Opelka who give you no rhythm, and then you're back to mm-hmm. playing clay quarters like Casper Ruud in the third round. And right, to go and then from could that, be yeah. Vavrinka after that. Right, and then there's that gauntlet of a section with Vavrinka, Murray, Kopfer, and then how about Nishioka and Felix Ogiealiasim? I actually have yeah, I actually have Felix Ogiealiasim. Murray at the US Open. Yeah. Right, and I have Felix Ogiealiasim on an upset alert in that match. Mm-hmm. Because Nishioka is a guy I, that, who I think on a clay court could give Felix a lot of problems, just getting a lot of balls back, making it super physical, and you know testing Felix's shot tolerance and you know pulling the trigger at the right moments, which you know he still hasn't mastered quite yet, and it's going to take a few take take him a few months to really you know build up that shot tolerance, I think. And so I think Nishioka is a really good test. And I have him on upset alert. I have Nishioka winning that match. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's very possible. I'm very, very excited to see how Oje Aliasim handles himself this tournament because on the one hand, he had a great U.S. Open, beat Andy Murray, made the fourth round, I think it was, or quarterfinals. Fourth, fourth round, round and, uh, yeah, fourth round. Yeah. And played against team. Yeah, and so... So on on the face of it, that's great. But then he was breadsticked twice by a much better player in Dominic's team. And w- while he's made it further at a major than he ever had before, that's a pretty abrupt way for it to come to an end. And so I wonder how he's going to be doing confidence-wise, uh, because he surely won't win this tournament. I'm, I think he knows that. But mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how that translates into his play in the first few rounds. I think Nishioka definitely could win that match. Uh, but I, I, I have OJ Aliasim getting through that personally. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to follow. And then we look at, you know, the, I guess, who do you have coming off of the Monfils uh, short turn section to play potentially team in the quarterfinal? I think we all agree that team, despite his tough draw, is going to get to the quarters, right? Mm, I mean, I'm. So I'm not positive about that. I think I think there is an outside chance that Chilich could beat him. I think there's an outside chance Favrinko could make the fourth round and beat him. Uh, so is he the favorite to make the quarterfinals? Yes, but I won't be shocked if he loses early, especially because it's so difficult to follow up a major win with another great performance at a major. Andy Murray did it after winning the 2012 U.S. Open, made the final at right. 2013 Australia. But, and I think team could do the same thing. Team is a brilliant player, but... If he loses early here, it won't shock me. That that said, I do have them making the quarters. Yes, interesting. So, um, and I have uh, I have Schwartzman meeting him there. Uh, I think Schwartzman should be uh, incredibly con- confident after a straight setting raw on clay in Rome, 
uh, played pretty well against Djokovic in the final too. Probably should have found a way to win the first set. Right. But I, yeah, I, I have Schwartzman making the quarterfinals, and I think he could potentially beat Team as well. Yeah, that's a very good pick. I actually have Schwartzman as well. I think, you know, I mean, Monfils is there as well. But, you know, I just think, you know, if Schwartzman can get past the first round, and sometimes early rounds of majors have not been friendly for Schwartzman. I think, you know, we saw at the U.S. Open, he blew a two-set to love lead against Cameron Norrie. But he was just not in... That was very surprising. Yeah, and he was just not in the form at all that we're used to seeing. He was very, you know, emotional on the court and very just struggling to get anything, any part of his game going. I meant to, to see what he produced in Rome and played the best week of his life. Uh, and just knowing how comfortable he is on the clay court, having made the quarterfinals here two years ago and took a set off of Nadal, I think I really like him, uh, especially if he can get through that first match with Kecmanovic. So I, I have him also as well getting to the quarters. I have him actually beating Gail Monfils in the fourth round. Yeah, I, I could see that happening as well. Yeah, because um, yeah. uh, you've got Taylor Fritz so, in there, but I just don't think Fritz is much of a factor right now on clay. I just don't think he moves well. I enough. agree. Uh, do you think Borna Choric could make a run, potentially? Yeah, I, so that's the match I have circled right now, is Borna Choric and Diego Schwartzman in the third round. I think mm. that match that's big. is huge. That's like, um, you know, I mean, Choric obviously is coming off the... The stellar week that he had, uh, the stellar Grand Slam run that he had to the quarters of the U.S. Open, and uh, you know he grabbed a couple of wins under his belt in Rome. But um, you know, it's tough. I think I think Schwartzman, um, just the way he's been playing lately, and uh, the these conditions, you know, these fa- these slower conditions that uh, where the ball isn't bouncing up as high. I think we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll help Schwartzman. We saw what he was able to do to Rafa in these conditions. And, you know, pretty yeah. much the whole week, not just against Rafa. So I think he's going to be really able to return very well against Chorich. He's going to be able to have success even in the backhand-to-backhand rallies, which Chorich usually has the edge in uh, against most players on the tour. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you add in the fact that I, I just think he's just more reliable uh, at this level. Uh, in, in his experience, he's made more quarterfinals and, you know, just made a final of a Masters 1000. So I, I have him getting through Borna Choric and Monfils and then eventually losing the team in the quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that, definitely. Um, I, like, I think uh, the Schwartzman team quarterfinal could be a lot of fun. They had... A pretty tight match in Vienna, if I remember correctly, team's home tournament. They had a good match yeah. at the ATP Cup. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that could be a great quarterfinal. Certainly. I think, actually, team would rather play Monfils in the quarterfinal than... I agree. Beat so. him in straight sets at Roland Garros last year, didn't he? Straight set at Roland Garros last year, and also straight sets this year at the Australian Open. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, team hit uh, an amazing tweener winner uh, down the middle of the court against Moan Face last year. Oh, I remember that. That was at, uh, Roland Garros. That, that was an amazing shot. Yeah, highlight reel, absolute highlight reel stuff. I completely remember. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, sorry if this is jumping ahead a little bit, but do you see Dominic Team being able to beat Nadal in the semifinals? Well, yes. Um, so actually, let's 
let's talk about Nadal's section before we get to yeah. let's talk about the the you know Nadal's section before we make that call. I think I just need a little ex few buying a few extra minutes here to make that prediction. Ah, uh, yeah, sounds good. But uh, you know, certainly, you know, you look at a guy like Alexander Zverev. I know a lot of people are saying mm-hmm. that you know him choking, uh, you know, choking in that final against team and being up two sets to love and a break and serving for it. You know, it's going to hinder his confidence. I actually don't think so. I think he proved last week that he can play, he can get through matches not playing his best tennis. And I think he's not going to uh-huh. need to be at his absolute 100% here to live up to his seating and get to a quarterfinal. Because I think his draw is actually pretty friendly. So I have Alexander Zverev. Uh, you know, I think he, he might have a few stumbling blocks around the way. I think, you know, Marco Cecchinato or Londero or some of these guys could be tricky for for a set or two. And, you know, you've got, I, I think the winner of Sinner and Gofan is super, is going to be a really big indication of how this how this draw turns out for Zverev. I have Yannick Sinner. Mm-hmm. I have Yannick Sinner pulling off the upset against David Goffin in the first round. So, I could I could see that. Yeah, I mean, certainly I, yeah, I haven't go, been impressed go. with Goffin lately. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, what I, do you I'm think very of, excited uh, for that match, and uh, I, I think uh, Alexander Zverev could actually be a really top test for Nadal in the quarterfinals. Uh, he's mm-hmm. in the slower conditions. He's going to be very very tough to hit through. And so um, I, I don't see him beating it all, but that's a match that I could see going on for four, four and a half hours, honestly. And that's the last thing Nadal needs before a potential semifinal with team. So I'm quite excited to see that match if it happens. Uh, I think, um, do, do we see a, maybe a John Isner-Nadal uh, five-set rematch in the fourth round? You know, I'd like, to say, I'd like to say maybe this could be the week for Isner, but I think, you know, he's proven that he can... He can he can have good success on clay, but not in slower conditions. I think the faster, hotter conditions better help his serve, as he can you know he can really use his height, and he can look for that forehand right after the serve. And the higher bouncing courts, I think, favor him more. So I'm not inclined yeah. to pick him. Uh, you know, I think this is a really good section for qualifiers, because right now Fonini and Isner to me are not very convincing. Seeds. I mean, Fonini, uh, I could well be wrong. I mean, if he gets to the fourth round, watch out. And he plays Nadal. But I mean, like, you know, Fonini with his inconsistency and his he's coming off of ankle surgery and he just hasn't looked great yeah. at all since the since the restart. And, you know, Isner, I haven't seen play a match on clay this year. So it's really, this is a good opportunity for some qualifiers like a Martinez or a Corda or somebody, you know, to have a breakthrough story in the first week and get to a fourth round to play Nadal. And that, I, I think, certainly would help Nadal, uh, you know, peak for the last three rounds of the of the French here. So, but I think, uh, I think it's, it's not so straightforward with Fanini and Isner. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I see Fanini, honestly, uh, getting the best of Isner in the third round, I think they would meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, th- I think uh, even though his form is suspect, I think he could go deep and uh, maybe challenge Rafa down the line as well. And I think uh, the, the winner of Sinner and Gofan could definitely make it through for a few rounds. Gofan usually isn't susceptible to upsets, but isn't that susceptible to upsets? But I see the winner of that match probably making the third or fourth round. Yeah, that's a good call. I think um, 
I, I actually have one of Fanini and Isner. I think I think I have more faith in John Isner than I do in Fanini, just given his okay. his volatile nature. And we've seen him, you know, you know, not quite take advantage of these opportunities before. And I think he's never made it to a quarterfinal of any slam since Roland Garros in 2011. So okay. I, I just, uh, you know, I have trouble seeing him getting to, you know, I'd love to see it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I really, really want to see a Fonini Nadal fourth round match. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think that would be, that would be a stern, stern test for Nadal. But I just think, uh, I agree. you know, I think he could, I could easily see him losing to like a Martinez in round two. So I have, so actually yeah, I have, I, I have Isner sure. getting to the fourth round uh, for me. I have. I have Isner versus Martinez in the third round, and then Isner getting to the fourth round. The Dan Evans match against Nishikori, I think, is is really interesting because I think you know Evans mm-hmm. doesn't like to play on the clay, and Nishikori has been struggling lately. But I do think the best of five set format helps Nishikori much more than Evans. So I like. I, I, I think so. Too. Nishikori yeah. has an excellent record in five setters. Exactly. So just based on that, I have Nishikori and Nadal in the third round. I have Nadal getting through. Nishikori and Isner. So I have Nadal getting Nadal playing Zverev. And I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I don't think Zverev beats Nadal. But you're right. I, I could definitely see uh, it being a very tight match and, you know, Zverev having the kind of game where he can take that backhand cross court early and flatten it out. And really, uh, you know, with the kind of serve he has, these slower courts, the ball's not going to kick up as high. He won't be pushed so far back behind the baseline. And, you know, we've looked at, I looked at the weather forecast for Paris, and it's raining pretty much the entirety of the first week. So it's going to be really interesting to see which matches get pushed back. Do they follow, you know, the schedule? I mean, because the matches on Philippe Chartier will be safe, but then there's no roof on the other courts. So I think that could play a factor here, but uh, I have Nadal getting to the semis, playing against team eventually. Yeah, I, I have the same. I project the same thing, and I, I think that could really be a, a great match. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, so if we can talk about that match now, sure. I think on the one hand, you could say Nadal will get through that because they've played four times at Roland Garros now. Team has only taken one set. And in, in uh, the last time they played, Nadal finished it by breadsticking him twice. But on the other hand, since that match, Team has beaten Nadal in best of five format for the first time. Uh, four sets, four close sets, Australian Open. Uh, and he's also won a major for the first time. So I think the the, the feeling for this match is d- quite different than it was before the last final because team has also beaten Nadal on clay several times. So I, I think even if he doesn't win, he could get it to five sets. I completely agree. I think the feel is the feel and the vibe is totally different this year. Just uh, I, I think with team having won a slam now, with the wins that he has gotten under his belt against the big three. And these conditions, it's just so much more of an equalizer than it than it's ever been. I could easily see, you know, this match going to five sets, and I and I could really see, uh, you know, you know, like even last year, uh, you know, you just see team getting closer and closer to Nadal on clay. Just even uh, before we talk about this match, I think last year, you know, for two sets, this was a this was a great match. Like in the final, this was. It Super was. high quality stuff for the first two sets, and then I think uh, team faded away a little bit physically because he had to play four days in a row, and Rafa yeah. played Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, and team was mm-hmm. undone a little bit by the scheduling and you know the Djokovic match going two days and 
you know, him coming off of, uh, you know, play, basically playing four days in a row with no rest. So I really, I really think it's going to be much different this time around. And I think team will be so equipped with all of the tests that he has in his draw that this is not, this is an opportunity where he can, where he really has a physicality advantage now that, you know, is more pronounced than ever before. So I really, yeah. I, I really could see it going five sets. On the other hand, it's just, who do I back in the tight moments? And that's, you know, and and that's where it gets really tricky choosing the winner of this match. But, you know, I've never betted against Nadal. I've never, uh, you know, I've always, people have always doubted him before the French. People have always, you know, looked at it like he's, even the years, some years where he never won Rome or he only won one of the Masters, he always came through at the, in the end, um, except maybe 2015 and, mm-hmm. and 2009 when he was injured. So really, I think it's just so, so tough to bet against, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at one of the records in tennis that will probably never be matched. But, you know, if there's any year where it's, where, where uh, we see a different winner, it's this year. So I really, yeah. you know, I, I really have to, I'm really being bold here, but I, I actually think, think team has a really, really good chance. And so I'm, I'm going for team. I'm going for a Djokovic team final. Yeah, I, I don't think that's unreasonable. I mean, th- their final last year when it was played on even terms physically for the first couple sets, the, the first seven games of that match were all-time great match caliber. It was the, the rallies were just spectacular. Nadal was missing overheads because team was getting so many balls back. And so I think if team can get to that semifinal while fresh, Nadal is in for a world of hurt. That said, he is. He is Nadal, and this is Roland Garros, and you really can't bet against him. And so I, I think he comes through, through that match in either a tight four sets or five sets, but I, I think team definitely could win. It won't shock me, and just what an opportunity he has here. He has won a major now, but beating Nadal at Roland Garros is another thing entirely, honestly. Uh, and so if he did that, he could really start taking steps towards going down as an all-time great player, I would say. Yeah, completely. And, uh, and as you said, I think his physical advantage is pronounced enough at this point that he could feasibly win that match and then beat Djokovic in the finals as well. And that would mm-hmm. just be an astonishing feat because no one has beaten Nadal and Djokovic to win a major, if I'm correct. Yeah, you just said it yourself. So I think <laughs> I think that's the, the that's one of the things is I actually don't like of the three players, like if you would have told me that uh, team beats both of them back to back like that's the most surprising uh, but I just think like even with his physicality and just being able to like if he does beat Nadal in that semifinal to then come back and replicate a similar type of performance against a well-rested Novak uh, it's just it, it's just so difficult to even imagine for me just because it's never been mm-hmm. done like you said it's just I don't think like it's never been done that someone has beaten Nadal and Djokovic you know, back to back, let alone that yeah. at Roland Garros, where we know how dominant Nadal is. So I actually, yeah, you know, I mean, and you know, team has two wins, has beaten Djokovic two out of three years. But I just think I'd be more confident in him beating Djokovic if it was a quarterfinal or semifinal than I would a final. I agree. So I have uh, I have a team Djokovic final right now, and I have Djokovic winning a second French Open. 
Yeah, I, I, and I think that's I think that's a very good possibility. I think a team I think team could win beat Djokovic. I think he honestly goes into that match as the favorite unless his match if he wins against Nadal unless his match finishes say seven five in the fifth or something and it's like four and a half hours because I do think he may even have a physical advantage over Djokovic at this point, yeah. but. I think you bring up a great point. Djokovic has been so solid in major finals the past several years. Uh, I think the last one he lost was the 2016 U.S. Open. That's he's won. I think. It, I think he's won his last five, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. So like it, in major finals, I think he's just on another level, mm-hmm. and team is going to have to. And Djokovic is conscious of the goat debate. He knows what is at stake here. He has had so much pain at Roland Garros, and I think he knows that this really could be his last chance or his best chance in a while to grab a second title. Um, but at the same time, he hasn't made a final since 2016. Correct. He's lost a team twice at Roland Hero since then. Right. And so I, I think I think if that is the final, team wins. But at mm-hmm. the final, I project Djokovic Nadal. And so this is going to sound weird. I don't think Nadal would beat team and Djokovic back-to-back. But when we're when we're predicting it, he's sort of the only he's the only one who I can reasonably predict winning the title. Yeah, and so I agree. I think I, maybe you know I think I think maybe, maybe one of Team or Djokovic gets upset, but yeah, yeah. Of the three, he's the most likely to beat both of them, both the other two back to back. For me, that's that's always been the case. Yeah, I just I, I just have a tough time seeing Team right now, you know, beating both of them back-to-back. So I just, for me, it's, you know, I mean, you bring up great points. So, but you have, uh, you have an Adal Djokovic final now, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, the, the implications of that match are enormous. You have Nadal going for a 13th Roland Garros title, which is just crazy to say. Uh, and a 20th, he would tie Roger Federer. Uh, so he's got a pretty good goat case there, combined with his uh, head, really good head-to-head over Federer. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you have Djokovic going for a second Roland Garros title, would have the double career slam, yeah. uh, and superior head-to-heads against Pope. There's a lot more involved. Uh, I, we won't get into that because that sure. takes several hours. But yeah. I think uh, I think you could solidly say, in my opinion, that if that is the final, the winner of that match could be considered the goat for now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So basically, a lot is at stake. But uh, yeah. But uh, who's your champion? Yeah, I, I'm missing it all. Gets through Djokovic. I think he's okay. going to need to be at his best. His. I think he's going to need to produce a version of the forehand we saw in the 2014 Roland Garros final. Because if team has taken the edge off of him. Djokovic could absolutely beat him, in my opinion. He's done it before. Nadal wasn't in great form in 2015, but I think he could do it again. So I'm going to say Nadal in a close four sets. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, great. These are great predictions. Uh, You know, safe predictions, one could say (laughs) a year ago, but... You know, obviously, it's going to be a really interesting Roland Garros, and we we hope that the event uh, flourishes and finishes in the way that New York did. And uh, I think this, you know, we pretty much have all the players here playing this this event except for Federer. So I think 
we're in for yeah. an absolute treat of a major. And uh, yeah, I mean, thank you so much, Owen. It's been it's been great doing this draw preview with you. And uh, you know, once again, tell our listeners where we can we can find you. Uh, you have a blog called The Racket, and uh, your Twitter. Ah, uh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, thank you for having me. I had a great time as well. Um, You can read my articles at uh, racketblog.com, and uh, my Twitter handle is TennisNation. Always happy to talk tennis with people on there. Uh, So, yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time. I'm really looking forward to this major. Really hope it can be held safely amid the COVID-19 pandemic, and hopefully we're in for a treat as we were at the U.S. Open. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Owen. And uh, just for our listeners here out there, uh, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and like on on iTunes, and give us a give us a five star review. Tell all your friends and family about this about this podcast, and anyone else who is interested in tennis. And do be sure to check out our previous episode where we broke down uh, Pete Sampras' Greatness Revisited, the new book by Steve Flink, uh, a legend and Hall of Famer historian of this great game. Uh, so check that one out. And be on the lookout as uh, Andre will be back and we will do more episodes these next few weeks. So have fun. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.